Ladies and gentlemen, you know what that sound means. It means it's episode 193 of the Personal Arrogance Podcast, brought to you by the Bald Move Network. I, of course, am one of your hosts. My name is Eric, still missing Jesse Walquist. And joining me this week once again is the guy who's filling in for J-Dog. It is... Levi, still not Jesse Wilson, Jetty. Still not Jesse Wilson, but doing a valiant job, sir. I'm trying my best. The effort is there. That's that's the best compliment I can give you. That's that's a nice compliment. I'll take it. You should take it. Um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> this is the part of the show where I ask the co-host, how was your week? It was good. It was busy. Mm-hmm. So you design breweries. Yes. Um, we have, we do a lot of scales. We work, um, on some mom and pop size shops. Um, and we work right up to the, not the big boys, but the, the boys we like, which now I regret saying that out loud. Um, well, good on you, man. I'm excited for you. I, uh, this week am, uh, living a bachelor life. Ooh, Lydia where's the wife? has decided to travel to the East Coast to visit her brother for the week. And her sister-in-law and their lovely dog. And therefore, I am stuck at home uh, watching movies and drinking beer and uh, not doing a whole lot. So are you enjoying it or is it like – because that's always – I always find that I have that – that it's yeah. like great for two days and then yeah. after that I just get lonely. I'm on the third day. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I'm kind of right with you. Like, I was watching movies. I was playing Madden. I was going to bed at, like, 1230. I was having a blast. But not really. I still miss my wife. But now, today, I I got a little bored. So, I'm happy I get to hang out with you, man. Because otherwise, I'd just be talking to myself. Well, we could just make this whole cast um, a love letter to her. And you can just email it to well, her. Yeah, we haven't done a dedication in a long time. We dedicate this one to the wifey, Lydia. I love you so much. I wish you were here. And I, I, it sounds like this is the beginning of a joke, but I'm actually just being 100% serious. Poetic. <laughs> Thank you. I feel sad. <laughs> um, but, you know, this is like I like I abandoned her earlier in the year to go down to San Diego and hang out with you buffoons. Yeah. So this yeah. is pretty much just payback. It's a lot easier being the one that goes. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Well, yeah, time. you got stuff to do. Like you're swimming the, in raw sewage. You're swimming in raw sewage in the ocean. <laughs> it's a blast. Actually, Lydia, she so she went out on the Chesapeake Bay yesterday, and uh, she like dipped her toe in, and um, and apparently it was like really warm, and apparently the Chesapeake Bay can get up to like 75 degrees in the water. Yes. And, <laughs> And uh, and then somebody was like, "Yeah, but the pollution." And I was like, "Pollution? I know about pollution. <laughs> I know a hundred percent about pollution." If you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, refer back to the uh, Bypacks episode. It's like in the early 180s. Was it really not that long ago? No, not at all, dude. That's another two thing. Months? Yeah, San Diego was like not very long ago. Yeah, two months like ago. Anyway, sir, we got to get this show on the road, man. Isn't that what we're doing? I guess so. What are you drinking this week? I am drinking another Colorado beer, one that we have not worked on. Mm-hmm. Um, Odell Brewing Company's Loose, Loose Leaf American Session Ale. Cool. It's really tasty. Awesome. Uh, I am drinking the Rogue Juniper Pale Ale. Ooh. Um, that's just another it? thing, is that I have been buying a lot of beer lately. Being all by myself and my lonesome. <laughs> and uh, I've been buying some nice beer, too. 
Because I've been saving some money too. That's the other thing about being lonely is you save money. Yeah, when you have the time, when you're just cooking for yourself, yeah. it's a lot faster. When you're alone, you have, you look for things to do, so you go out and buy beer and stuff yeah. to cook. But you go, you, you like buy beer and then you come home and play Madden. Yes, like uh, there's not there's no reason to go out and spend any money. So anyway, I've been saving money. I did book a couple of uh, camping trips, Ooh, trying to be productive. Uh, so we already have this booked, but this May we're or at the end of the month here. We're going to be going down to Bend, Oregon for Memorial Day weekend. Nice. And then uh, we're going to be going to Mount St. Helens in June. Um, and then we're going to be camping up in the North Cascades in July. So that stuff. Sounds lovely. So one a month is that the goal? Yeah, I want to do one a month from April through September. So. We we hit April up at Deception Pass, and then we got uh, through July booked. And in August, uh, I'm hoping to camp with J Dog and the Fam. Oh man, so, jealous! It's gonna be a blast. Um, so anyway, uh, we also got some listener feedback this week, and uh, just a couple of phone calls. So we'll start it off with a wonderful call from our good buddy over in the UK, uh, Sam Gomahamadi. Here he is. Hello, personal arrogance. I've been away for a while. Come back today with another terrible accent for you. This is Sam from the UK. <laughs> anyway, what's my point? So I'm phoning up today, May the 3rd Saturday, because it is, as you know, free comic day. And I wanted to ask you, what are you looking forward to today? But most importantly, forget about even this year. How about next year? Because next year, Free Comic Book Day is going to coincide with May the 4th, believe you. So, what would you like to see then? I'm kind of hoping that they'll start a new Star Wars franchise in the comic industry and then give the first issue out on that day. Okay, that's just me. Anyway, just to say as well, why am I doing this weird, if I'm doing it right, kind of Eastern European sounding accent? And I'll tell you why. Because Vladimir Klitschko won another fight on the weekend against a terrible opponent. And that's my final point. If you're interested in boxing, is it worthwhile? Is there anything good to look forward to anymore that gone to the days of Tyson? Anyway, thank you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye, Sam. Get off my back. Get I, off my back. I do feel like a wonderful part about that whole thing was his reference to boxing. And I feel like boxing is a sport that now is only popular in in countries that actually celebrate Boxing Day. I don't think those are related, though. Are they not? I don't even know. I, I've never followed boxing. No, no, no. I mean, boxing Boxing Day and boxing, I believe, mm-hmm. are unrelated. I understand what you're saying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> also, that Eastern European accent, all I can visualize when Sam does that accent is the villains from the Rocky and Bullwinkle series. See, I picture um, Constantine the Evil Frog from the most recent Muppet movie. <laughs> Which was a pretty friggin' good movie. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't know what you were talking about, <laughs> but when you said Constantine the Eagle Frog, Evil Frog, I literally just spit out beer all over the place because it sounds like something that is so Levi <laughs> that he would know and fully understand the character of Constantine the Evil Frog, even out of context from any storyline. <laughs> uh, that is a Levi thing to do. You just Levi'd yourself. Uh, hard man. Oh, and I've really tried not to on this. You out Levi'd yourself, and I loved it. 
It made me well, so now happy. everybody knows my terrible secret. I get weird, <laughs> weird references. <laughs> the weirdest. <laughs> you think our references are weird? Levi's <laughs> references are the weirdest. My favorite reference was when we were at Disneyland, and you ran up to us, and you said, bangerang, and then you said, <sighs> all I wanted was a good bangerang. Of course, speaking about uh, Rufio from Hook saying bangerang to the Lost Boys somehow projecting that on i'm guessing you thought you were rufio i think i was just looking for the camaraderie of the lost boys okay because we were you know on this adventure together <laughs> um rest in peace bob hoskins oh yeah that's true i totally forgot he was smee wasn't he that was i think the best out of all the things people listed him i think it oh, come on is, who is framed roger rabbit best. who framed roger rabbit is definitely the best I don't know that that movie has stood the test of time. I watched it a little while ago. It has. It still amazed me at like oh. how much they were able to integrate the uh, the cartoons with the real world. They like just Mary Poppins the shit out of it. It was so good. I'll have to go back and watch it. And of course, who can forget the Super Mario Brothers movie? I think most people have forgotten. Yeah, it. probably. That's probably good. Actually, okay, we got one more call. It comes <laughs> to us from the East Coast. Actually, very close to my wife, where my wife is right now. Uh, in Virginia. Uh, here it is. Hey, it's Michael McBride from Virginia again. Um, figured I'd call about, well, I called last week about some bad movies, Star Wars prequels to be particular. I figured I'd call about some bad movies again, but this time a little bit more enjoyable. I was just wondering, what was probably both of you guys' uh, favorite guilty pleasure movie? I know that I've got one or two because I kind of secretly like the Transformer movies, even though I know they're horrible. I just, hey, the action in them is fun at least, if nothing else. Even though the humor is just god awful. All right, but figured it'd be an interesting little idea. All right, guys, stay off my back. You stay off my back, Michael. And actually, uh, this is a perfect, another perfect situation for you, Levi. Because <laughs> I feel like you like a lot of bad movies that's so bad they're good movies. I feel like this is one of the things that you and Jesse can really bond over is the so bad it's good movies. Yeah, we definitely have a, a knack for it. You have um, the camaraderie around that particular thing. So I, I, I will say that I actually really like the first Transformer movie. I liked it when it first came out. I got a buzz off of it. I didn't even see any of the other ones. Because uh, <laughs> like, I was like, okay, I'm done. I don't need... I don't need another two and a half hours of that. I'm, I think I'm good. Let's put a bow on it, uh, Michael Bay, and then maybe you just move on. But, um, but you know, they only made like six hundred million dollars after that. So, but so what did, do you know? Yeah, exactly. Of, and of course, there is Kung Pao Under the Fist, which is like the oh, ultimate man. guilty pleasure movie for our team. Yeah, there's um, one I reference all the time, and nobody knows what I'm talking about. Nobody knows. Like I have Liz saying "stars above" <laughs> without any context. She doesn't have any idea where it comes from, or hasn't seen and hasn't seen the scene. Stars Nothing. above. She just has heard me say it so many times that yeah, it's stuck. And like that brain. was that was a seminal movie for our uh, high school nerddom. Well, it was the peak of our formative years. Like we really. <laughs> developed an identity we developed character that year we developed an identity around that movie i think (laughs) like that was a movie i remember the first time i watched it it was at nils thompson's house i know this is really going deep for you listeners here but yeah it was at nils's house and when that scene comes around where he goes that's a lot of fries 
I was literally rolling on the floor laughing, and I couldn't stop laughing. I've never laughed that hard at a movie ever before in my entire life, and I think it was a combination of me discovering my nerddom all at once, um, uh, and then the the hilarity of the scene and the hilarity of the movie and the build up to that point, and then probably a lot of Mountain Dew. I'm just that was guessing. about the time that you started hanging out with what I would have deemed the cool kids. You hung out with them less than with us a lot more. Yeah. Well, you know, like uh, my sophomore year of high school, I hung out with like all seniors. You got out of that rich top crowd. I got out of the rich top crowd, which was like, it was like the other school. Like everybody who went to our high school went to Fairview Junior High. And then there were like the rich top kids who got split up between different high schools. And I was in the rich top group. So I like hung out with everybody that I knew from my from my church youth group who are all called who are, who are all high school seniors. So I was hanging out with all these seniors. Problem with that, once junior year came around, no more friends. <laughs> they, yep. they all went to college. Yeah, start over with us. So then the nerds started nerding it up and meeting in Knowledge Bowl and Drama Club. And then like uh, be the rest is history. Tag Facebook and link to this episode. Just some of the people we reference. Well, you know the high school reunion's coming up. We should just post this on the high school reunion. <laughs> Can we post it with a "fuck you guys"? <laughs> Nobody wants to go to that. Oh man, I feel like you know you don't even need to write the book, but it's, it's just like such a formative statement. Is just saying Facebook killed the high school reunion. It did. I know where everybody is that I right. care about, and I know that everybody I disliked fucked up. Well, and I I just know what where, where everybody's at. Balance. Like all of the small talk I would have had at the high school reunion has all taken place, <laughs> and the people who I want to hang out with from high school, I hang out with. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so I don't know. Daddy, what was the question? Oh yeah, guilty pleasure movies, dude. This is your forte. Why don't you uh, Why don't you spill into some good guilty pleasure films? Oh God, this is the thing: is that for the listeners, I have. Probably of our group second. I'm second in movie knowledge to you, Eric. This is this is this is different, though. I mean, I have like a formal movie knowledge just because I went to you know I studied film for a few years in college. Yes. So and I have, like, have what some I would kind of formal that. thing, but you definitely have like your finger on the pulse of Constantine from the new Muppet movie. <laughs> like, I feel like you have a you have a very. Um, you know, this I have like the nerd pie of movies. You have a strong geek slice of nerd movie of, of movies. <laughs> this is, is my parents go see here's for the listener. My yeah. parents go see every movie. They don't care if it's good or bad. They go see it. They typically like I always get the rating from them every weekend and they go mm-hmm. to at least two a weekend. I always get the rating. It's typically your six or seven. Doesn't matter on the movie. It's just <laughs> they their attention was held for two hours. That was right. all they needed. They had their giant popcorn, their giant soda. They'll go see anything. So I grew up on that. I grew up going to see everything and then when i hit college i like refined it a little bit i went uh-huh. back i watched the afh like the hundred uh movies of the 20th century and i kind of caught up and i got out of the bad movie thing right but every now and again i still love a triple x i still love anything with vin diesel oh, God, triple the original triple x is such a good movie it's so and love like it. 
the start where he's in the sports car that he's stolen and the cops can't <laughs> catch him and can't apparently look up his address despite the fact that he posts on the web like right. look at me stealing this car and drive it off a bridge and just watch the internet he goes, don't be a dick dick i can't it's the best it's one of my favorite <laughs> movie lines of all time don't be a dick dick oh man anything else dude uh, Waterworld is, um, oh, very Waterworld. divisive. I know that anybody, any nerd worth their salt loves Waterworld. I, I love Waterworld. people think it's a terrible movie. Oh, come on. But I, you know what I really love, and this may be too nerdy, is I actually love Waterworld on land, a.k.a. The Postman. Oh, yes. That is a lot longer. <laughs> I fucking love The Postman. I love that movie. It is so weird. And it all takes place in <laughs> Idaho, which is crazy. And the villain is what's that guy's name? Patton, something Patton. No, in in the um, in the movie, it's Colonel Bethlehem. Yeah, but the actor's name. Oh, I don't know. It's a dude from uh, the uh, Remember the Titans, the assistant coach. <laughs> there you go. Got it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Oh man, the Postman and Waterworld, both amazing movies. Yeah. Oh, my but God. But most have you seen the new? Uh, Riddick movie? I think it was just no. was it just called Riddick? No, see that's that's a little too deep for me. God, the first ten or fifteen minutes is no dialogue, mm-hmm. and then they try and like Wally it. Yeah, it's like Wally. And then like the first line is like, "There are bad days, and then there are legendary bad days." <laughs> just, I was enraptured. <laughs> And I will sit and wait for all of um, the space Marvel movie. Uh, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. I will wait all movie for him to say, I am Groot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just love that. Like, I feel like these are the types of movies that anybody who's ever been in a Dungeons and Dragons game says to themselves, I could make a movie. <laughs> like, that's what these movies are. And he has... I think he foots the bill on the Riddick movies now. I yeah. think that was almost entirely out of his own pocket. Yeah, Vin Diesel, big D&D player, actually. Yeah. Trivia. Oh, also, man. before I forget, speaking of bad movies, see Conan the Barbarian. Don't watch Conan the Destroyer. Conan the Destroyer is terrible. Okay. Conan the Barbarian is great. I knew that you were the Conan guy. So which one is like the PG one and which one is the hard R? Conan the Barbarian is hard R. He okay. has He's like having sex with this witch and like she just goes berserk and as a kid you're like boobs yeah what happened like you don't really fully grasp the chick freaking out um what was his uh james earl jones is the villain and he's right just like a big creepy snake but it's not it's it's just like good hardcore uh what do they call it sandals and swords and sandals right 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 um darth vader is the bad guy yeah, and consequently, still a fantastic bad guy. Awesome. And he just does his his thousand-yard stare and just mesmerizes <laughs> people. Um, Conan the Destroyer was like... how? Wait a sec. How fucking sad is it that James Earl Jones has now been relegated him, to Sprint commercials? Oh, I thought you were going to say why he didn't show up on the cast list for the new Star Wars. Well, obviously Darth Vader died. Maybe a ghost scene, but yeah, no, even, even still, he's, he's voice the, in there but he's the electronic voice of Anakin Skywalker. Like, even if they brought Anakin back as a ghost man, he wouldn't <laughs> have that voice. 
Like he is just like the voice box. Like they, he went oh, to the store. He went to the store, and they were like, "Okay, man, you get these three choices." One of them was like Surfer Dude Matthew McConaughey. The next one, the next one was like you know some is like super high pitched, but also kind of grating on your ears. So it was like annoying, but at the same time menacing because it was so piercing. And then the third one was James Earl Jones. He's like, "I'll take that in a second, <laughs> so sir." What about this? What if somebody, one of the new Sith, finds Darth Vader's old helmet? Love it. And like gets the voice oh, box, and they just use James oh, Earl fuck. Jones again. You just made me so excited. <laughs> you just made me extremely excited because guess what? You're right. James Earl Jones can be in the new trilogy as the voice box of Darth Vader, <laughs> immortal. Or maybe R two D two picks up the voice box and oh, he starts shit. talking. Oh fuck! Oh fuck! Oh fuck! Oh, <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Okay, they they install Darth Vader's voice box in R two D two. Now he speaks full English in James Earl Jones's voice. Oh my god! But then every time he gets a little excited, he just goes into the butt beeps again. <laughs> but it's just James Earl Jones going. Such a range too to go from that deep right. voice to the high pitched beeps. And no, beeps. but it's just it's just James Earl Jones going. But beep 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 beep. <laughs> <laughs> No, he doesn't speak English. He just beeps and boops in James Earl Jones. Oh tone. my god, this is amazing! Why don't they do it? How do we get this as a ringtone? How do we convince James Earl Jones? Oh. Can we call him? And well, get he's him doing to beep fucking boop, sprint commercials, dude. So apparently, he's up for anything. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so you were talking, and then what is Conan? Which one, Conan the Destroyer? Is that the Conan PG one? Destroyer is like if. Um, Joss Whedon wrote a Conan story because mm-hmm. it's like everybody's a distinct character, but they all suck and it's not good. And I don't no, think I and it's it. isn't it, I think it's PG, right? PG or PG thirteen, which at the time was PG is PG now to us. Yeah, but there was no PG thirteen at the time Conan the Destroyer was made. I don't think. Really? So I oh. think it was made before Raiders of the Lost. Raiders of the Lost Ark was the first PG thirteen movie. If you want, or no, Temple, Temple, between, of Temple of Doom, Temple of Doom, Temple of Doom was. If you see Conan the Barbarian and you like it, don't watch Conan the Destroyer. Watch Red Sonia. There you go. Which has Arnold in it as a. I don't. He's like a king, and you know, at the end of Conan the Barbarian, <laughs> they insinuate that he's a king. Um, but of course, it's more about a, a this evil lesbian sorceress. It's fantastic. You in a bad sense. You just proved yourself as bad movie king. Sit on your throne as bad movie king, sir. Have you lies the crown? <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude. All right, well, this is almost becoming a topic, but we got to move on to our topic. So let's do a little tiny minute roll off here. All right, uh, I got my D20 this week. Okay, good. We're going to roll 20-sided dice. See who gets to talk first on the podcast this week. Ooh. Roll the lucky number 13, baby. Oh, 10. Nice. Middle of the road. Okay, so for my first topic this week, I am going to talk about a movies. Do you know what nemesis means? So uh, we actually got a great uh, Facebook roundup question this week, and I want to address it. Not only was this so good... So good. I realize now this was not on the Facebook roundup. This was a this was a Gmail. He Gmailed uh, us. Matt Gmailed us and and uh, sent in this awesome Star Wars question to our uh, Gmail. 
Uh, personal letter to gmail.com. Also, if you want to give us a call, 360-362-0024. I always forget to do that after people call in. Uh, yeah, but that's how you get most likely to go to the phones. Yes, exactly. Uh, so Matt gave us an email this week. He says, last week there was a lot of Star Wars talk. This week, Disney confirmed the three that there will be three spin-off movies, and there is a lot of talk about what they will be. As previously rumored, the origin stories of Yoda, Han Solo, and Boba Fett are all options, but none of that is confirmed for sure. So my question is to you, which I hope can be answered in the classic personal arrogance way. What would be the three most ridiculous origin stories we could see from Star Wars with details uh, of what they could consist of? That is Matt from CSW. I don't know what CSW means. Is that like uh, California Southwest? Colorado State Washington? Mm hmm. Probably. <laughs> so obviously, we've already covered the fact that uh, R2-D2 needs Darth Vader's voice box installed in him. Yeah. That has to happen immediately. But that should be in Episode 7. Yeah, yeah, that's more main main yeah. canon. Because uh, they, they are. The, the robots are the main. I can't even... Dude, I can't tell you how much my mind was blown at that thought. Like, my mind exploded at that thought of, of Darth Vader... Of finally R2-D2 being able to speak in Darth Vader's voice. <laughs> what are his first words? Uh, <laughs> his first words, this is perfect, his first words need to be, Yes! I definitely thought you were going to go for like some sort of swear at no, C-3PO. Darth Vader needs to be no, and, and R2-D2 is yes. Uh. <laughs> Perfect. Absolutely. Anyway. Um. Bring it around. <laughs> so who's your who's your top... Who do you want to hear the background of? Okay, so I, to just, I, let's I, just consider backgrounds yeah, first. And I believe we covered this at some point. This was like way back when Disney bought Lucasfilm. Um, and I believe the one that we talked there, which I think is my number one, is a Max Rebo story. You know who Max Rebo is? He's the security guard, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> is this the ice cream guy? Ice cream guy? Made out of ice cream? Is that what you're trying to say? No, there's like a... It might be a deep, deep cut. That's a deep Star cut. Star Wars jokes. Anyways, who's Max, Max Rebo? Max Rebo is the elephant man who plays the keyboard at Jabba's Palace. He's blue. Oh, yeah, I got you. Ooh, meow, make it ooh, meow, meow, make it ooh, meow, meow, ooh, meow, meow. Max Rebo, <laughs> the Elephant Man. And the reason why this is so good is because Max Rebo is a musician on Tatooine. Now, Tatooine is a planet that has cities few and far between. And you know that Moss Eisley is definitely within the region of Jabba's Palace, because Jabba has no problem traveling there to track down Han Solo in A New Hope. And he doesn't go far. He doesn't go far. He doesn't travel a long distance. <laughs> Apparently, he's also very close to Mos Espa, because he uh, starts the pod, the pod race uh, there in, in Episode 1. I assumed that that was a different hut. No, that's Jabba. That's oh. like a young, strapping Jabba the Hut. <laughs> but that was back when he would move around a little bit. This is like old Godfather, uh, you know, uh, Jabba the Hutt. Gotcha. In Return of the Jedi. Anyway, 
But you know that you gotta know that that uh, that the cantina is is close to Jabba's palace. It's 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 within distance of Jabba's palace, right? I mean, at the beginning of Return of the Jedi, R two D two and C three PO literally walk there. Like yes, where that was the, I was about to point out the fact that you can space travel around the planet, right? Um, so maybe things are really close. But yes, you're right. They walked, although they're robots. Yeah. So who knows how long they were walking? It doesn't really. They well, okay. really have to stop. That's true. They walked a really long distance in A New Hope, too, once the, the escape pod landed there. <laughs> God, I love Break. Oh, my God. I just love Star Wars so much. <laughs> I just love it so much. Um, <laughs> all I'm saying is that Max Rebo definitely knows Faker and Dan and the Cantina Band. Yeah. Right? I mean, they're musicians, and they're all hanging out in the same places. I mean, we're talking open mic nights. We're talking, you know, gigs together. We're talking weird parties that they both played at. Like, Max Rebo, I want to see a Max Rebo Figrin Dan origin story where they're musicians traveling Tatooine and getting into hijinks while playing music. It is a musical Star Wars show that actually makes sense. Max Rebo and Figrin Dan uh, rocking Tatooine. Could it be like a How I Met Your Band? (laughs) kind of story <laughs> now that how i met your mother is done well you know it's got to start off with like max and figrin have to be rivals and then over time they become friends they realize that their their similarities are stronger than their differences and then they become friends join a band then it's like a rocking band road trip story across tatooine and then it just all gets too much man and then figuring uh, Max Rebo's like, I can't do it anymore, but he's the talent. Figurin needs to hold on to him. Figurin may be the technical master, but Max Rebo is the front man. Like, he's got the mad key skills. We could so, see the whole, what is the, the circuit that you play? Mm-hmm. And we could see that in the Star Wars universe. Where, right. do you, where do you start? Maybe it's you start on Tatooine and mm-hmm. you end on Tatooine. Mm-hmm. Well, I love it because you got to also think that a, something like the Empire would have a ministry of culture, which would have a clamp down on any artistic endeavors that are pursued by members of the Empire. You don't want anything going out of whack and artistically separating people from the Empire, especially when there's this rebellion springing up. Tatooine is the perfect place for musicians and artists to uh, be outside of that shadow of the Empire and independently produce uh, art for each other. So basically, Tatooine is the Portland of uh, the Star Wars universe. <laughs> Love it. <sighs> this this it literally writes itself, guys. Max Rebo, <laughs> Figurin Dan, rocking Tatooine. Yeah, I don't know why it's taken him so long to start kicking these movies out. We should have had one three months ago. <laughs> who, who, do, who can you think of as like a weird origin story? A ridiculous right. origin story in the Star Wars universe? I want to back up real quick because okay. I'm not crazy... The ice cream guy is a thing. His name is Wilro Hood. Okay. Um, and he was on Cloud City mm-hmm. um, when the Empire when invades. Um, and he takes, like, some computer memory core and, and ditches it so that the – because it has, like, a bunch of rebel information on it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to figure out it, where he shows up, whether it's in, like, the card game or something. But no, it looks like he's movie. holding an ice cream maker. Like the, he the is in the movie. Thing. He is in the movie. 
Is he? He um, just I, runs I just, through the background? I did a Google search of Wilro Hood, and, and it's got him running through Cloud City holding an ice cream maker. Yep. <laughs> so that is that is what computer memory will look like in the future. This is wonderful. Contrary to popular belief, it gets bigger. Dude, he's literally holding a five-gallon bucket with like <laughs> a plastic hubcap on the top of it. I'm just glad that I'm not entirely crazy. Dude, by referencing him, Wilro Hood, I love it. Like, where does this guy come from? But that's not that's not. I don't care about him and his ice cream maker. The okay. background story I would love to see is the Rebel Fleet, mm-hmm. and of course, naturally, you follow mostly Admiral Akbar. Dude, Akbar origin would be the sickest thing. Well, ever. I think like you know, I'm, we give him a lot of credit as a character for his for his line, but like. Where did the Rebel fleet start? Like, who kicked that off? Who built, you know, it's mostly Carillion ships. Yeah. You know, they have this rendezvous in the middle of, of space. Like, you could do a sweet, sweet, like, the, well, I the think birth that of they're... the fleet. Like, who was the first ship? And where do all the other ones come from as they kind of move throughout the... Because they have to play this cat and mouse game with the right. with the Imperial fleet. Apparently, there's a new animated series called Star Wars Rebels... And I think that that might cover it. It's Ooh. from the same people who did Star Wars Clone Wars, and apparently, Which is pretty good. and apparently, it's going to be canon. So <gasps> this might answer all your questions. But I do love an Admiral Akbar origin story. I seem to remember him. I read up in his origin once, and it was like his his uh, aquatic planet was taken over by the Empire or something, and all his family was killed or something like that. And he was some kind of king, I think, king of the squids. Whoa. I, See, and that's yeah. great stuff. Like, here's a guy who's been fighting for what has it been, twenty or thirty years, mm-hmm. to the point of the the end of three, right? You know how if he's been really in it since the beginning, like, and he's he's hard. I mean, you're almost talking like a he's lost. Well, he's everything, pretty. He's so pretty soft. That? He's pretty soft, dude. He's spongy. <laughs> He's, he's a soft man. on the outside, but he's hard on the inside. Yeah, he's got an endoskeleton. What do you expect? <laughs> so, <laughs> hey man, he's got—he's like an actual squid. He's got one bone. It's called the pen, and it runs up his spine, and then that's it. Man, you really remember your childhood? I fucking know my cephalopod, classes. sir. I am a cephalopodist, <laughs> sir. Um, no, I, I, yeah, totally. Yeah. He's like, yeah, he's like, he's been fighting for 30 years. I also love the idea of a king turned admiral. Yeah. Right. And it, well, it like harkens back to a cause. Like, yeah, before, it turns as a king, like your cause is at best your people, mm-hmm. but now it's something more. It's something more. It is your people still, but it's your people against a greater evil. And I love the idea. Like it's a medieval concept of like the king slash general, right? Uh, leading the leading the charge in the battle, I love it. Well, and you get to explore like you can use it to explore the the concept of of fighting in space and what is naval battle when you reach that that peak because that's a very I think deep trough yeah. for for science fiction is how will it be to fight in space like that? You know, conventional right. tactics won't work, but. We still label it that way. We still consider it a navy. We still consider the concept of, you know, but you add the concept of battleships versus right. fighters. You know, that's that grand scale that occurs. Yeah, um, yeah they're not generals. They are admirals, right? 
you know. And then you add in traveling at light speed and. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love some Akbar, man. I love some Akbar. What was one more? Oh, of course, uh, uh, Wedge. I mean, Wedge Antilles is a great guy. Love to see Wedge Antilles' uh, origin story. Um, don't they just build? Don't they have like the whole the Rogue Squadron books or something? Yeah, but apparently now all the books are no longer canon. Oh shit! Yeah, so they now like have the Pluto, Star. They were thrown out. Well, they, they exactly like they they have the Star Wars universe, but now they have the Star Wars Legendary universe. The Star Wars Legendary universe includes all of the books that have been written up until the point that Disney bought Star Wars, and now the Star Wars canon is Episode One, Two, and Three, Clone Wars, uh, Star Wars Rebels, Episode Four, Five, and Six, and now whatever else comes out of all these movies from Disney. Well, now they're doing comic books, so eventually they can just do that thing that the comics books loves to do, and they have the big apocalyptic rewrite right every so often, and we get to start over, and we can we can we can literally wipe away the first three movies and say nope, not a thing. I I think I have I think I have my idea for the third most ridiculous origin story. All right, and this one you got to bear with me a little bit because we are going most ridiculous. Uh, I think that the third most ridiculous origin story has got to be the origin of the Sarlacc <laughs> monster. And basically yeah. what it is is a series of one acts with the Sarlacc conversing with whoever it has just ingested. <laughs> so Boba Fett makes a cameo appearance. Uh, and Yeah, it's just a series of like people and the Sarlacc is like, hey, so like, uh, how'd you piss off Jabba? And then... <laughs> Does he have mouths in his throat? Like, are you no. being digested? And he's, like, harassing you the whole way down? I, I like to think of the Sarlacc as a cephalopod because he does have tentacles. <laughs> and I also like to think that he has some kind of um, telekinesis. Not telekinesis. What do you call it when you can, like, talk with somebody with, you know. Oh, he's like that psychic. Uh, shoot. Uh, you know what I'm talking he brain telepathy. talks. Yeah, telepathy. There you go. Thank it's you. He's telepathic. He, yeah, he's telepathic. So he can telepathically speak with his victims while he digests them. Because right. he's lonely. I mean, he's a dude in a pit. But we've got to go back to the original Sarlacc where nothing came but tentacles came out. Right. And it was just a, a hole in the Oh, yeah, you're right. There was a mouth. Teeth. There was like a mouth in the... In the yeah, mouth. when they redid them. Yeah, no, yeah, it's just it's just like the teeth and then a couple tentacles. So it's really kind of like an interview show. Exactly. You could do it like well, a yeah, half it's a hour series of one acts it about just be It's about it's a series of one acts about people who have been ingested by the Sarlacc at the hand of Jabba. So these guys have got to be like underworld scumbags for dealing with Jabba. I don't think Jabba just sticks to underworld scumbags. I'm pretty sure no, he's throwing a, no. a nice Dude, politician in there every now and no, again. No, 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 no. Yeah, but an underworld scumbag politician. Like, Luke Skywalker was the best person that Jabba ever caught. And the reason why you know that is because he killed everybody that Jabba had with a lightsaber. Like, <laughs> like so he, immediate. Yeah, he was not expecting that. He was expecting a bunch of scumbags, like half high uh, 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 goons that he could throw into this Sarlacc pit. So this is just like a bunch of goons uh, just like going through their life story, thinking about how they got to this point in their lives where they got uh, betrayed by Jabba, thrown in the Sarlacc pit, 
and re reinvesting themselves, trying to redeem themselves before they are ultimately digested by the Sarlacc. And the last one is Boba Fett, and then he has some kind of great realization, some kind of uh, some kind of uh, catharsis. And at that moment, his jetpack shoots off. And, uh, and unexpectedly, unexpectedly, once again, I like to think that he has some kind of beautiful catharsis that's so beautiful that the Sarlacc bumps his jetpack with one of his tentacles and then he shoots out of the Sarlacc pit. Or maybe he's mildly um, force-attuned, Boba Fett. You mm. know, he just, he is, it's a natural defense mechanism that he sets off his own jetpack. Now, sir, Boba Fett cannot be force-attuned. Why not? Because he is a clone of Jango Fett, and oh, and well, also and so are Fett. all of the stormtroopers, <laughs> and therefore then then both Jango Fett and all the stormtroopers would also be force attuned because they would have the genetic midichlorians in order to be Jedi. This is why the original prequels suck. But you're assuming this is why it's all clone- bullshit. You're assuming that the cloning process is perfect. What if there was a defect in the cloning process and he is the one mistake? Uh, well, that makes sense because uh, apparently stormtroopers don't have free will, which means that maybe the Force or the midichlorians are attached to free will. Oh. Uh, by the way, yeah, all of this shit is bull. It, it just pisses me <laughs> off so much that the prequels are like, oh, yeah, uh, Chewbacca totally knew Yoda. And then, like, what? Like, <laughs> Chewbacca knew Obi-Wan Kenobi, and then he sees him in te- in the Mos Eisley Cantina, and he's like, oh, I totally forgot who you were. I totally forgot. Oh, you're that guy. You're that Jedi, of- along with all the other Jedi that it interacted with during the Clone Wars. Uh, but I still don't believe in all this bullshit that you're spewing. Like, I just hate that they turned... They turned... Uh... They turned Chewbacca from a benevolent, lovely, gentle giant into a f- complete fucking idiot because he can't remember people that he met immediately like 30 years ago in a war George situation. Lucas, George Lucas is a bad DM. He loves his yeah. characters and he cannot kill them and he ultimately overpowers them. Also crazy that Darth Vader made C-3PO. Yep. Just designed didn't remember him. that. C-3PO didn't remember that. Well, that makes more sense because their memory can be wiped. But come on, it's a fucking Wookiee, dude. Yeah, but a memory wipe is such a lame excuse. Hey, I'm going to wipe the uh, memory of my droid right now. Whoop, whoop. Literally on my Android phone. Done. <laughs> done and done, sir. Anyway, I love this stuff, dude. If, if anybody else here has any origin stories they want to hear or they want uh, Jesse and I to spew about... Uh, maybe in next week's show, please send them to us, personalarrogance at gmail.com. Your ridiculous Star Wars origin story. Just give us a character, and we'll fill out the rest. Star uh, arrogance. I <laughs> love it. Uh, Levi, what is your first topic? Oh, man, I want to talk about some games. Here we go. So, I want to talk to you about Destiny, because I know this is a game you're pumped for. I don't know, man. Really? You've turned? No, uh, so it's not that I'm not pumped for it, it's just like, I feel like to have fun with it, you gotta be a next-gen guy, and I don't know, I'm kind of re- I'm kind of just, 
I'm, I'm, you know, I'm turning 30 in like two years and <laughs> like a year and a half. Jeez. Uh, you're turning 30 in a year and uh, a half and a week earlier than me. <laughs> so I'm just like, I got to reassess a little bit. I just don't know if like I'm going to be a console gamer. And I know it's going to be on PC, but I don't know if I'm going to be a first person gamer. Maybe this, maybe it's time to move on. Maybe you need to talk me off the ledge here because Destiny, Destiny looks like an amazing game. I'm watching the dev diaries. I, I follow this shit. Uh, but I don't know if I have. The, the 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 time or the passion to invest in this game uh, as much as I did in like every Halo game that came out before it. So tell me about this, dude. Tell me about. I this. don't know that I'm going to talk you off the ledge. Maybe we can jump together. Mm. That's kind of what I'm thinking. So I have not okay. been swayed by anything I've seen from Destiny. I was when they said nothing. I was stoked because it's a Bungie game. Like mm-hmm. it's Bungie's. No longer doing Halo, they switch to Destiny. It's like, right. oh, sweet, they're gonna do whatever they want. Um, Activision has sunk five hundred million dollars into this project, which uh-huh. is what they spent on Avatar, right? Uh, yeah, mistaken. I guess so. Yeah, I, something around there. Yeah, but Avatar wasn't sixty dollars a ticket. It was close, <laughs> but it was not sixty dollars a ticket. <laughs> they tried to get it up there with the three D. Yeah. So they've put. A ton of time to this. Activision has agreed to like a ten-year publishing deal. They're gonna. Ma- I think they're guaranteed three games um, over the course of the ten years. They got five hundred people working on it. Halo Reach had a hundred and fifty. Um, you know, I've just been following the story since the. I and I use air quotes for this, but the embargo was raised last Monday, and so this was on my list of potential topics last week. Embargo? Um, what kind of embargo? They had everybody fly out um, to Bellevue, and they were going to show like the game. They were it was going to be oh. a big deal because yeah, they've yeah. been pretty pretty quiet about it. You really have not seen a lot of, or according to them, a lot of the game. Um, okay, in terms up to this point, and there's still a big reveal coming at E3. Um, that's supposedly when people are going to be able to get more hands on with the thing. But I had. Uh, buddy at my game store, I was kind of poo-pooing that I was telling him I was not interested. He goes, oh man, wait until Monday. Embargo lifts. <laughs> so I wait until Monday and I well, saw yeah. nothing new. Well, I saw, so I watched the Polygon, because you know, I'm a Polygon follower. Uh, yeah. Polygon.com. It's like the best place for video game news. Um, but they, they had a guy there, and they did a video report of it, and basically they were like, yeah, they let me play one level. Like, I, it's literally just a bunch of stuff I've seen already. And, but from everything that, that comes out of Destiny, it, it kind of seems like uh, the thrill and the, the pull of Destiny is not in a mission, not in a, um, not in a multiplayer, uh, you know, scenario like you would be with Halo. But the real pull of Destiny is in the more epic story of Destiny. They basically wanted to take something like that multiplayer that they made famous, that first-person shooter multiplayer that that Halo revolutionized on a console, and they want to add MMO elements of it uh, to it so that you're not just going from match to match to match to match trying to figure out uh, how to kill the most, how to have the best KD ratio in each game. You're literally building a character over time that 
that has uh, unique attributes based on the uh, epic story that you've been telling through this first-person shooter over time. That I think that's what Destiny's trying to be, and I don't know if that's... It seems like they shortchanged these uh, reporters by only letting them play a very small portion of the game, but... Uh, but I'm still holding out hope for I think I might have more hope for this than you. Maybe I need to tuck you off the ledge here. <laughs> the problem is that they, like, they kept saying, like, this game is awesome. And you haven't seen the awesome parts yet. That has been kind of the mm-hmm. the PR campaign since they first talked about it. They're like, oh, just just you wait. Am I going to have to, like, wait until first till launch day before I'm really, like, sold on it? Because right now, I watched the videos. It... It looks like Halo. One of the right. the if you read like I was reading through, you know, the enemy types, the hive or zombie like, um, cabal or tank like, um, fallen or multi armed. The fallen sound like the the vectors. What were they in the last Halo? Yeah, Halo Four, the Halo Four guys, the new guy, the yeah. new guys, the cabal look like the Covenant. the heavies from the Covenant mm-hmm. um, hive. That sounds an awful lot like the the horde, the swarm. Yeah, what was it the flood? The flood. Um, yeah. I mean, there's talent. So those elements are new. The guns, um, they have a gun system that seems similar to Borderlands. Yeah. So that's that's another thing is that they this is something they're toting is that they have a lot more guns, which is cool. I mean, I, I, that's one of my favorite things about Borderlands is like progressively going through gun after gun after gun after gun until you find your standby gun. That's a really cool thing to do as a player character in the Borderlands universe. I think that that could be even cooler in uh, something that's a little more refined from a first-person shooter perspective as as something that's been... I mean, this is going to be a beautiful... Uh, it's going to be a beautiful, well-controlled uh, first-person shooter if it's nothing else. I mean, that's what Halo... That's what Bungie does, is create really playable first-person shooter games. Like, I haven't felt the need... I'm not a Call of Duty guy, but I haven't felt the need to go to Call of Duty because Halo has... I don't have any reason to go away from Halo. I mean, Halo has a great combat system, a great first-person shooter combat system that I don't need to go away from. So, at at the very least, Destiny's going to give you that. So, there's that. And the other... My other concern... Is so there's there's the combat perspective. It's it's more Halo, which is fine, but that's not. I certainly don't think five hundred million dollars is really worth a good <laughs> combat system. I want. I mean, all of the Halos tried, or at least originally, you know, they tried to add something. They tried to refine at the very least. You know, the first the first one was a first person shooter with vehicles, which is honestly our favorite part is getting in a warthog and dying gloriously. Well, my favorite um, part of Halo is sticking somebody with a sticky grenade. And then and your probably, kill death ratio reflects that. Well, yeah, but no, but it's wonderful. Sticking somebody with a sticky grenade is like the best feeling in Halo, especially if they kill you and then they die immediately after they kill you because you killed them after like the after death kill is like the greatest thing in Halo. It's awesome. The pro- my concern is that it's just, and then they, you know, they're throwing on like this MMO stuff. Where have you seen the uh, what do they call it? The events. Uh, so is this? So from what I understand is that as you go through the different planets, you will enter different areas, and if those areas are occupied by other players in the game at the same time concurrently, 
then they will become part of the world that you are in. So you could easily stumble upon a world full of actual player characters um, having an encounter in the same world that you're having it, but you can malleably go in and out of those scenarios as you uh, explore the planet that you're on. Is that what you're talking and, about? Yes. So those are what I'm talking about. And my concern is that I don't care about other people. <laughs> when did that, like, I don't know. I understand that World of Warcraft made a ton of money. It was really, you know, unique in the sense of how many people have brought in the scope. And I know there were other MMOs at the time, but it it really kind of piqued that interest, especially for myself. Um I don't want to play with a hundred people anymore. I want to play with like four people that I like that I'm not going to mute. Um, mm -hmm. And I want to bring something big down that way. Telling me that I can join a battle with a hundred people. Like is not interesting, especially when, you know, the class, three classes, three races, none of which I really see the difference in yet. You have a special maneuver, but I don't know how that's any different from armor lock. Um, or armor power kind of situations, you know, they're not really like a finesse thing. It's just, I use my gun and oh, my thing that my ability is charged and I hit it again. And seeing a hundred people do that at the same time is not like calling me. I'd rather that hardware be spent on a world where me and four, a planet where me and four friends can roll around and you know what, if we're in the same area, then like, let's jam, let's really tackle the big, you know, like Borderlands initial, one of the things that they attempted, and I don't think they did, they did not succeed at it, was the scale of enemies. They wanted no, to No, they have, definitely did not have, I mean, because like, yeah, they didn't have scalable enemies based on your, um, based on your level. So like, if you but got too good. scale in terms of size, I'm talking oh, like, yeah. there, there's okay. one boss no. that is a giant thing that has a bunch of birds spun off of it those but are not birds really those are racks like... dude they are racks they are like racks, bat lizards so <laughs> okay <laughs> uh, no but another but, but, but this is something that i think got lost in borderlands 2 is it and i don't know if it did or not but like i played borderlands 2 as a single player guy but in borderlands borderlands was not only did it have a bunch of guns but it also had co-op like the co-op play in borderlands was so emphasized and really really good when you teamed up with somebody online and got together and did co-op and like that was just amazing and you pick separate classes you know yeah. you didn't want to play distinct your classes same. you wanted your healing shoot me to heal me like that was brilliant mm -hmm. and i want and you can't that's not going to happen with a hundred people in a first person okay. shooter. It kind of works in Halo, in a, not Halo, in a World of Warcraft raids. You know, you the management of the clerics and the wizard. I mean, the DPS of rogues, like that stuff. There's a math game occurring there that I think people really were able to kind of work with and mold. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't see that happening with this. Well, but I think that you're kind of over exaggerating with a hundred people. I don't think you're going to be running in the parties of 100 people all no, the time. No, you're going to be running into a room randomly with 16 people to shoot a computer, and that doesn't sound... Yeah, but I don't know if all those 16 people... Because this is the thing. I'm going to have to pull a bullshit level here a little bit here, buddy, because <laughs> when you play Halo, you're completely always playing with the idea of playing against random strangers. Because, like, you're not playing... We're not getting together and playing through the campaign. We're getting together to go shoot some random strangers in a, in a, in a, a team battle. So I don't know. The question there is that 
And from what I understand, and if they're smart, this is what they would do because people play Halo now to play multiplayer. I mean, the campaigns are one thing. They're fun to get online, play with four buddies, play through the campaign. It's great. But most people are getting on to play in a multiplayer battle. And if they can have that multiplayer battle element, but it's more of a malleable, you can go into a place and and pick your side and, and have your adventure that way, I think that that actually has some appeal to me. I don't think that we're going to be flying into 100-person battles all the time. My my dream would be, and I really want to convince you to play Titanfall at some point, even if you yeah. go to like a red box and rent it, uh-huh. because I think they're on to a better mechanic okay. in terms of the future of first-person shooters. Because mm-hmm. the reason I avoid Call of Duty is because I turn around and I get shot and I turn around and I get shot, and then I turn around and I get shot. And I well, get... yeah, my experience with Call of Duty is it's one-shot kills basically all the time. Yeah, and I rarely get the chance. I can't even identify my attacker. And that's the reason I I go sort of to the Halo side is because with the shield um, and then the, the regular bullet mechanic, like there's just you, – you buy yourself a little bit of time to react. Right. Um, Titanfall – you can still die to one hit from somebody who knows what they're doing, but the scale, it's fewer people, which means that you're less likely to get killed right off the bat. Um, it's a lot harder to hit people uh-huh. um, because of the, the maneuvering mechanics. And I know how much you love to evade. Um, well, the, it's not, I mean, what, what appeals to me about Titanfall is that it seems like it's a game that beginners and experts can all play in the single map because – your beginners are going to basically going to sit around until the Titan's ready. They're going to wait for that thing to drop. They're going to be a tank, and they're going to roll through, kill some people, have a great time, die probably pretty quickly, but still have an amazing experience. Uh, even if they're not good at the game, they're going to have an amazing experience. Like It caters to a wide range of people, whereas Halo and Call of Duty have both over over time become expert games. It's like if you're not good, you're going to go in there and get slaughtered in well, both they're... of those games. And I feel like Titanfall, from what I understand – and uh, from the gameplay videos that I've watched about it, um, is that is that it's more of an experience that a wide range of skill levels can play and still have a great time doing it. Well, what Titanfall adds is something that hasn't been in games since I think, or hasn't been common in the first person arena since uh, Perfect Dark, and that's bots. Uh-huh. Like that's what makes Titanfall. Um, enjoyable for all levels because if it's six on six and the maps are good are a good scale, you know, because they gotta allow the room for the giant giant effing robots to just roll through. But when you're running around, there's shit to shoot, and it's not just people. So you feel more success. The reward mechanism is more frequent, um, and it fills in that time between dying to other other players. So. What's really nice is I can start off the match. I go, I do some wall jumping. I try and get into a good position. Um, you know, there's plenty of stuff to hide behind and jump behind. And and I was surprised the burn card mechanic is actually really enjoyable. And that's where you get three cards per match and you get like packs of cards um, every so often. Um, and you can basically like every death when you spawn, you can play like fast titan spawn and your titan will just be ready when you when you come out of that spawn or one of them is 
grenade uh trying to think of what the name of it was but it was like grenade frenzy and it was unlimited grenades for that lifespan wow i didn't have an anti-titan weapon but i could just throw grenades like a madman um you know and i was one of those ones where i was like that's silly but it fills the time between matches because i'm going through i'm tweaking my customization for my pilots and my titan and then you know and there's you know two minutes between a match and then I'm going in and setting up my burn cards. I'm like, all right, so how is this? How am I going to play out this match? Like, yeah. am I just going to want amped up guns? But what's nice is that there is are things going on, and I hope this is the my preferred future for first person shooters is that we refine the amount of players, so it's not about having the most players, and we enliven the environments more i mean the mm-hmm. the scarab yeah, npcs in- npcs are very interesting to me in a th- you know and and i and i think that this is a very interesting time that we're living in because you have respawn entertainment creating titanfall titanfall has been an unmitigated success even though it's an xbox exclusive um in that it has created a, it has reinvented the first person shooter genre into something that is exciting and new and fresh. Even though it is built by the guys who play, who worked at Infinity Ward on the Call of Duty Modern Warfare series, which is the series that redefined Call of Duty from a World War II shooter into what it is today. Um, so it's the people who basically made Call of Duty in their new game. And then you also have, uh, the people who made Halo, and they're doing their new game, and that new game is Destiny. So we're living in this time where the people who created these amazing experiences, these revolutionized the first-person shooter on the console. Um, I would say that uh, that they that uh, Bungie did it with the original, you know, Xbox console st- cycle, and then. Uh, Call of Duty reinvented that on the new console cycle of we're talking PS3s and Xbox 360s. Uh, but, uh, but this is the next generation of that. And, and those old franchises are, are basically played out. Nobody is super excited about Halo 5, but people are very excited about, uh, about, um, Destiny. And nobody's super excited about Call of Duty Advanced Warfare, I don't think. I think that's kind of played out at this point, but people love Titanfall. So we're in this new area where, where we're pushing forward into these next-gen games. And they're iterating again. They're finally taking and tweaking the mechanics. And my hope is that we get... And, you know, the the hardware is really like... In all honesty, Destiny can run... That's a 360 game. It's going to be able to run on the 360. Mm. Same with Titanfall. I want to see what happens when they tell the old generation to take, take a hike and they really put some horsepower behind it. We'll see what happens. The other part about this suit is that Destiny, I think they're biding their time a little bit here because, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's Media Day. Now, then there's E3. And then there's Gamescom. And then there's PAX. And then, <laughs> you know, like, they're getting, it's the convention series, the convention season is quickly approaching. And I feel like there's going to be plenty of Destiny stuff coming out over the summer. They need to save a little bit for getting people excited at each of these conventions. So that will be a line. We will not be standing in Apex. Yeah. Well, hopefully I get my media bed so I can go. Hopefully I get my media bed so I can go check it out. Uh, Pre-game. Anyway. Um, doing it for you guys, the fans and Jesse, (laughs) Jesse, Levi, let's move on to trivia here. Uh, we are going to be doing genius one, a trivial pursuit. 
Uh, I'm going to be rolling a six-sided dice, see which category. Keep the streak alive. Oh, you got to keep the streak alive, buddy. It is a five. It is science and nature. Are you ready, buddy? Nope. These are not my best. Not my best. All right. Here we go. Uh, Levi, what is the oldest, most numerous class of animals? Uh, class. I'm trying to think of how far up the tree that is, um, or down the branch. I don't remember. Um, let's go with the bird kingdom phylum family class. I think it's class family. I'm going to go with invertebrates. Insects. Oh my God. Come Uh, on. Come on. That's not an animal. Technically, yes, it is an animal. It's definitely uh, an animal, by the way. Garbage. It's a bug. If a lobster is an animal, then a then an ant is an animal. <laughs> a lobster is basically a giant insect. A lobster is a freaking nature. And they're about 23 and a half degrees south of the North Pole. I'm going to have to go with a magnetic. 3 and a half degrees south of the North Pole. 23 degrees. Um, the Tropic of Cancer. Uh, it is... Oh, the Arctic Circle. Jesus Christ. <laughs> We're on a roll! Wow. Oh, I hope man. if you're playing along at home... I should you have are gone t- for that. I hope if you're playing along at home, you're two for two, because we are a couple of dumb idiots. I thought the Arctic Circle was more uh, based on mm. uh, topography. Whatever, dude. No, absolutely <laughs> it is not. It is a circle. <laughs> I, love- I thought that was like a metaphorical circle. <laughs> Oh man, why am I not why am I not sweeping the floor with you? <laughs> All right, Levi, this one is for you. What is the study of fossils called? Um shit. Uh crap. Archaeology. I'm gonna go with paleontology. It is paleontology! No. Woo! My first uh, wannabe career was paleontologist. This one's for me. Levi, you need to steal the win. Please play along at home. What is a pyrotechnic display? I'm going to go with a volcano. I'm going to go with fireworks. Oh, my God. You got it, you piece of shit. Boom. You got it. it. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Technic. Pyrotechnic. God damn it. Yeah, it would be pyroclastic display, Eric. Well, I don't need to justify that at all, because I'm obviously a dum-dum. But a lot of science and nature to Levi, which means that it's time for a geography tiebreaker question. Uh, Levi, why don't you explain how this works to the people at home? Uh, Eric's going to pull a geography question, and whoever's geographically closest wins. Here we go. What is the – oh, God. We've had this one 700 times. It is what is the wettest state in the U.S. I need new questions. All right. Here we go. Uh, what is oh, – this will be interesting, Levi. What is the capital of Nevada? Reno? Yes. Uh. Sir, I believe it is Carson City. Oh, yeah. Oh, it is Carson City. I didn't have time to do that whole song. <laughs> what, the what, oh, God. I, I, there was a point where I memorized every capital in the Union, and that point was in college. Liz um, still has it memorized, but as a fifth grade teacher, you have to. So I guess so. How about, uh, how about uh, South Dakota? Bismarck? That's no, North, North Dakota. Dakota. 
Pierre, sir. Pierre. Pierre, South Dakota. All right. Well, I win everything this week. Way to flip the tables. Regulations. I love it. I'm like the Mariners playing the A's. We're just going to turn this shit around and take first place, mofos. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one and one, you got to bring me back on to settle it. Well, speaking of baseball, sir, um, I guess I, I don't really have a ring and I don't have a song for this one, but I'm going to talk about fucking baseball because Jesse isn't here. Um <laughs> And to all of you who are like, oh, my God, I hate baseball, just like Jesse. I know, I know some people hate baseball. I know some people think it's boring, and I can understand why they would think it was boring. Because they don't understand how beautiful and wonderful it is. Uh, but I'm not actually going to talk about baseball statistics, standings, players, none of that, rules, none of that stuff. Um, what I am going to talk about is a very interesting, um, very interesting web algorithm that I found. Um, and it comes first from slate.com. Um, and it is a, a very interesting website that allows you to create and plan a road trip to visit 30 ballparks in 30 days. Yikes. So apparently this is a, this is a experience that a couple writers at slate.com decided to take last year. And apparently it was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because if you want to travel uh, around and visit 30 major league stadiums in 30 days, it is a slog of slogs. Like you, it is, it is a terrible, terrible experience because the problem is that major league baseball, they, I'm sure they have algorithm algorithms that do this now, but they don't schedule the game so that they are like, Oh, well you will have a game in New York. Then you'll have another game in New York. Then you'll have another game in Boston. Then you'll have a game in Philadelphia and Baltimore and Washington. Like they don't, they don't organize them that way. They are going all over the place here. Is this talking about like following one team? No, this is just visiting every major league baseball stadium in a 30 day span for a game. There would be a game at, at each stadium. Isn't there one day off every week? Well, no, not for every team. I mean, there's pretty much a game every day. I thought everybody had Monday off or something. No, 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 no. I mean, Monday is a day that doesn't have a lot of games, but there's always at least one game per day, except for the day before and after the All-Star game. Okay. So that's the way it works, sir. Um, So I'm going to start this one at Safeco Field. So they have this wonderful thing. If you want to figure out uh, the URL for this, it's www.slate.com slash article slash sports slash sports underscore nut slash 2014 slash 05 slash baseball underscore road underscore trip underscore how underscore two underscore visit underscore all underscore 30 underscore MLB underscore stadiums underscore in underscore 30 underscore days dot HTML. That is the website. Thank you and good night. <clears throat> Well, that's all the time we have. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you get to pick your starting stadium here. And I've actually already gone through this algorithm and found the best day to travel, to start my start my trip to travel to every Major League Stadium in 30 days. And I'm beginning my trip here in Seattle, Washington, of course. And I'm going to be taking this trip around the nation. And <laughs> it's a really wonderful thing because it only takes about 10 seconds to load the entire thing. So if you want to start your trip in Seattle, Washington, the best day to do it is July 23rd. 
you will travel in those 30 days. So, you know, you know, the, the country's like 3,000 miles across. Levi, how many miles do you think you'd have to travel in 30 days to reach every Major League Baseball stadium and watch a game there? Oh, let's see. So you've got me on – this is a good cast for me because I've done a lot of road tripping. I drove Rhode Island to Colorado mm-hmm. in, a, in a, almost a cannonball run style. Um, I would guess if you were doing – 30 stadiums, 30 days. Almost every stadium is in a going to be in a different state. Right. Most state to state trips are anywhere between 300 to 500 miles. Um, mm-hmm. So let's say average 300. Um, I think that's a little low, but if you're doing three, that's like 9,000 miles. So let's say 10,000 miles to visit 30 stadiums in 30 days. So the problem with that is you're not factoring in Major League Baseball scheduling, which is the oh problem. Oh, God, here. are you backtracking? So this is not a straight line. It is, this is not a, a straight line whatsoever in any way at, at all. At worst, it would have to be like – I mean, if you think about the time to sleep, drive, so, so this is assuming you game. No, this is assuming you were traveling with a companion and you could sleep in the car. Oh, that's the worst. Mm-hmm. That's terrible. But, mm-hmm. I mean, still, like, I would – the most I can do is, like, 600 miles in a day. After that, you just want to get out of the car and yeah. roll over well, your Levi, head. you're not going to be able to do this trip, buddy. How many miles is it? It is the shortest uh, amount of miles that you will travel if you start in your trip in Seattle. Is going to be well, 20 – mistake is starting on the West Coast. Yeah, it's going to be – This is an East Coast trip and well, just Also, don't... Seattle is the most isolated Major League Baseball city. There's like yeah. no major league baseball cities within a 12 hour drive of Seattle. So oh, how many miles? 21,923 miles. Oh. And this is the shortest distance. Like I have seen scenarios that go up to 30,000 miles. So 21,000. It's assuming you're doing 700 miles a day. No, in some days you're doing over a thousand. Oh my God. That's yeah. not, which is kind of impossible. Like you, you have to just drive it straight. So the wonderful thing, this is like the best thing about this. Baseball's not worth this. So yeah, so day one, I'm traveling from Seattle to, I'm going to watch the game in Seattle, the New York Mets versus Seattle Mariners. Then I'm going to travel to Los Angeles the next day, uh, which is 24 hours of driving in my experience. If you want to drive from Seattle to Los Angeles, it is a 24-hour drive. They have me doing that in about 21 hours. So immediately I'm that's 1,164 wow. miles of driving on the first day. Um, you're going to be eating a lot of fast food. Yeah, very you're nice. You're going to be able to get out of the car. <laughs> very nice of them, though. The next day, I get I, I get two days to travel to my next destination. San Francisco? No. San Diego? It's actually Minneapolis, Minnesota, a distance of <laughs> 1,926 miles. So I only have to cover 2,000 miles in <sighs> two days. To get to Minnesota. If it, it probably takes you through the route that I took, because mm-hmm. um, I took a Minnesota detour going from Rhode Island to Colorado. Yeah. And I'll tell you that once you hit, like, east of Denver, yeah. probably 20 no, miles, yeah. there's nothing. nothing. It's flat yeah. Yeah. and just, you drive, out, you drive off the road trying to do <laughs> that in two days. So I go to Minnesota. The next trip from... <laughs> This is insane. Oh okay, so I've already driven from Seattle to Los Angeles to watch the Angels play. Then yep. I traveled from Anaheim to Minneapolis to watch the Twins take on the White Sox. My next day, and I have to do this in one day, 
travel from uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota to Dallas, Texas. Oh, I was going to guess Florida. <laughs> no, Dallas, Texas. So that is only 994 miles of driving. So this is the shortest distance that I've driven so far. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going uh, Dallas or Arlington to uh, to Denver to see the Rockies. Then beautiful stadium. Yep, and that is only uh, 778. So it's getting shorter here. The next day, I'm traveling from Denver to Oakland, California, or no, to San Francisco, California, to watch the Rockies take on the Giants. It's kind of great. I get to follow the Rockies um, and literally drive over the Rockies another 1,200 miles to go from Denver to San Francisco. The thing is, this is a front-loaded trip, okay? The, yeah. next, the next day, I uh, I get to go down to San Diego then I'm going to Lo- oh, Los Angeles. This is a beautiful day. 120 mi- 121 miles to drive from San Diego to Los Angeles. This is my respite. Gonna- How are you? You're back in California. This yeah. is insane. Yeah. No, I tra- I'm back in Los Angeles. <laughs> then I'm traveling from Los Angeles. Where am I traveling? From? Oh, up to Oakland. So I'm having a nice leisurely drive, okay? <laughs> it's great. Um then I'm driving out to Phoenix, going to Arizona. That's a nice short jaunt. The next day is Phoenix to Houston, Texas. <laughs> but I get – no, I only get one day to drive 1,100 miles from Phoenix to Houston, Texas. Oh, and that's western Texas, which is a desert. But this is the beautiful part about it is now I am back in the eastern eastern side of the United States. So now I'm in like the zigzag zone, <laughs> as I call it. So I'm driving from Houston to St. Louis. It's only 700 miles. Um, once I get to St. Louis, I'm driving to Washington, D.C., another 800 miles. These are all like one-day trips, dude. Uh, then I'm traveling from Washington to New York, which is actually a nice jaunt. Uh, <laughs> it's it's not that bad. Uh, it's only how, – how far is it here? It's um, got to be like it's 200, eight hours? 200 miles. So that's not bad. That's like four that's hours. What? 228 oh. miles. So it's like four hours. Once I I've get into the trip. city, all I gotta do—that's not accounting for Jersey though, and Jersey yeah. will slow you down, or toll roads, or Chris Christie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, once I get to New York, I have a great day. Uh, I've only driven four hours, and I get to watch two baseball games. I watch the Mets and the Yankees nice. in one day, um, and then I'm driving from New York to Cleveland, then from Cleveland to Chicago, Chicago to Milwaukee. This is like the short jaunt section. Uh, Milwaukee to Cincinnati. Uh, it's actually a lot. Like I, I could not believe how short of a distance it is from Chicago to Milwaukee. It's like, it's like yeah, that one's. Yeah. It's it's ninety four miles from Chicago to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It always blows my mind how close these like that's way <laughs> closer. That's like half the distance as it is from Seattle to Portland, yeah. Milwaukee to Chicago. That's insane to me. Um. Uh, I'm watching, what are my double headers here? I get to go to Philadelphia and Baltimore on the same day for a double header. And I also, Chicago and Milwaukee is also a double header. So I, I watch the game in Chicago in the morning and, or actually in the early afternoon. And then after the game, drive the hundred miles to Milwaukee to watch the night game, uh, with the Brewers there. What's the um, time difference between those two games? <laughs> uh, they're both central time. Um, no, 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 I mean, but. Well, what's so? What's an oh. afternoon game time? What's I'd have three. Game? I'd have three hours to travel ninety nine miles. I can do that. Oh yeah, that's doable. Um, then where am I going? Milwaukee, then Cincinnati, then Kansas City, Kansas City, Chicago, Chicago to Toronto. That's a bit of a jaunt. 
Plus, you got to deal with customs. But the Canadian customs aren't that bad. The American customs are the bad. Yeah, coming back in is where you get. Um, then Toronto to Philadelphia, Philadelphia to Baltimore, and that's uh, in one day as well. Um, and then uh, Baltimore to Atlanta, Atlanta, Miami, Miami to Tampa. That is the one that is the best one. A lot of these scenarios, I've been seeing them. You have to go to Mo- Miami one day, then drive all around, and then come back to Florida for Tampa. Having <laughs> both of those in the same in the same time span is really good. Um, and then Tampa to Detroit, which is a bit of a jaunt. Uh, how far is Tampa to Detroit? Eleven hundred miles. Um, Detroit to Boston, Boston to Pittsburgh, and then the wonderful, beautiful trip. You do get two days, but you got to drive from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, to Oakland, California, a distance Holy of two thousand five hundred eighty miles. You got two days to do it. Uh, and then this is why you have those double header days to yeah. make these giant leaps. Yeah. And then, uh, and then once you see the game in Oakland, you just you just have that nice twelve hour drive from Oakland to Seattle, and you're done. Real quick, how many teams are there in Major League Baseball? Thirty teams. So this is thirty teams. In 30 okay, so days. you're seeing all of the stadiums. Yes. Gotcha. Sorry, I don't think I picked up on that when I was assuming it was not all of them. Um, wow. And then you drive straight to your nearest asylum mm-hmm. or off the nearest cliff. I can't imagine doing it. So they did this on Slate. You can actually read the article. It's called, I don't care if we never get back. <laughs> you can read that. It's on Slate.com, and it talks about this journey. Basically, like after the first couple of days, you don't enjoy any of it. Because all it is is driving and then going to baseball games. And every baseball stadium ends up looking the same, and every road ends up looking the same. And you're driving thousands of miles a day, and it is the worst ever. Yeah, so, just stop in Denver. There's a lot to do there. You can go to the Rockies game and then drink for 29 days. Well, so, and this is the other thing that like they talk about in the article. Like they drove past the Grand Canyon. They literally saw the exit that said the Grand oh. Canyon is this way, but they couldn't go to it because it was like a 45 minute detour, and they didn't have time to get to the Diamondbacks game if they would have done that. <laughs> so so let me tell you, the Grand Canyon is probably better than watching the Diamondbacks play. <laughs> Smoking like a true NL West rival. <laughs> I love where you're coming from, Levi. Um, but I mean, the fact of the matter is, I want to take this trip. But I think if I do it, I'm going to do it over an entire summer. Just do Here's it over the suggestion. whole summer. I think we do it, but we wait until Google Cars mm, are driving mm-hmm. us around, mm-hmm. and then we just play board games. It's board games and baseball for 30 days. What a beautiful thing. I it would be it. like the PAX Marathon. I love it. That's awesome. Board games and baseball and beer. The triple B. Yeah, because you know you can. Dr- there's a lot of states where you can drink in an RV if you're not in the driver's seat. So if you're in a Google car, right? Open no open containers. There you regulations. go. No driver. No drunk driver. <sighs> anyway, this sounds exhausting, but at some point I want to do it, but not in 30 days. Yeah, I'm not going to drive from Pittsburgh to Oakland in two days. That is the worst <laughs> idea I've ever heard of in my life. Like, especially because, you know, early in the trip, you're driving from Denver to San Francisco. That's 1,200 miles because you're going to be weaving around the Rocky Mountains to get there, right? So that the thing is, is, like, there's so much to see in between. Why would yeah. you But the other the, the thing Zion. about that is that so you're traveling 2,500 miles from Pittsburgh to Oakland in two days. You're traveling 1,200 miles from Denver to San Francisco in one day, which means that in one day you have to travel from Pittsburgh to Denver in one day. 
Fuck that noise. America's yeah. huge. That's all I'm trying to say. America is gigantic. Science. It should be a science topic. <laughs> all right, Levi, what's your second topo? I'd like to talk about some entertainment. I don't have a song for that. I don't know. I need like a Broadway <laughs> tune or something. Sing it, brother. I know that Jesse's a big fan of Kennedy's like shotgun topics. Um, and, oh, yeah. You know, rapid I just, fire. Rapid I wanted fire. to kind of uh, just coalesce some of the things I've uh, I've heard throughout the week and yeah. uh, see what you got to say about them. Like it, love it, one more of it. How about this for our starting topic? Almost Human has been canceled. Mm. Did you watch that show? Mm-mm. Carl Urban and J.J. Abrams. Yeah. Right? Supposed to be a good combination. Is that the... um? That's the robot one. It's not the one, other one with the dude who's got enhanced... Technologically enhanced. That's not it. Yeah, it's the one with yeah Carl Urban, right? It's the same. I don't know. It sounds like you're describing. So it had Carl it's the Urban with the robot dude. The other guy, Carl mm-hmm. Urban, has a like a robot limb, um, and then he has a cyborg. Oh, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert, sir. It's in the first like thirty seconds. <laughs> okay. I watched the opener. I watched the first couple episodes. Um, I I ended up stopped watching it because just as a time constraint. Um, I just have all those bald move shows I need to keep up on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was okay. The the chemistry between Carl Urban and his cohort, who I should look up, um, was really good. They were very, very funny together. Yeah. Um, the problem is just that the writing was bad. The, the plot lines weren't particularly good. Um, you know, they were very kind of... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, when they're kind of like you've seen it already. You've yeah, they're seen called pedestrian, or what? they're called pedestrian, or they're also called procedurals. Procedural. When, yeah, when that's I, the word I was when looking a, for. Michael when Ely. When a TV show like is basically self-contained episodes that can be played in any order, it's called a procedural. Gotcha. Um. And yeah, I, and like I, I posted a link for Gotham, which is coming out. Um. This yeah, fall on tell Fox. me, can you describe this to me? Because I didn't yeah. watch the length, but um, I'm curious. It's it's basically Jim Gordon coming to Gotham for the first time. It's But it's not based on Batman Year One. Uh, but it's Jim Gordon coming to Gotham for the first time, encountering like uh, kind of what Gotham is. They do have a lot of kids as Gotham villains. So they have young Bruce Wayne, like <laughs> right after his parents get killed, spoiler alert, uh, for Batman there. Um <laughs> Uh, they the also Dark Knight, have, Batman One, yeah, um, every other, other Batman movies. thing ever. The um, they have Catwoman, but she's a like she's like Cat Girl because she's like twelve. <laughs> they have Poison Ivy as a child. They have Penguin. He's like probably like twenty one. <laughs> and then they have Edward Nigma, aka the Riddler, and he also looks like he's an actual scientist at this point. So he's probably like twenty two. Um, which is weird because the Riddler's like not an old man. Um, yeah. yeah. Why? Why would they? So it could be really old? good or it could be really bad. But you know me, I just love Batman, so I'm gonna <laughs> watch it. And they have Har- Harvey Bullock, who's who's uh, basically gonna be um, Jim's uh, Jim Gordon's uh, you know partner. And I'm I'm excited about it. I I want it to be so good and. Um, and just having Batman and the Batman universe in it is going to make it 
incrementally incrementally better for me just because I love Batman so much. So we'll see what happens, but um, I feel like this is a Cartoon Network thing, like where they do the well, it's the kids version, and they're all kids. Yeah, but it's not. It's like they like they're trying to do the small world thing. Adventures in babysitting with Jim Gordon. Oh god, come on, please no, <laughs> please no. I mean. <laughs> It was just, I was watching the trailer and like, I'm very excited for it because I'm excited for anything that happens in Gotham. Like, I just love Batman. But like, I was watching through it and they're like, before Penguin. And then they show the Penguin Kid. And then they're like, before Catwoman. And then they show the Cat Girl. And then they're like, before the Riddler. And then they show like a young, sexy Edward Nigma dude. And then they're like, before Poison Ivy. And then they show like a girl holding a plant. And I'm like, okay, I don't know if I, I don't know if I want kids to be all of the Gotham villains. But it gives the opportunity to maybe, this is what I'm hoping, it gives the opportunity to, Expose more obscure Gotham villains like Calendar Man or the Ventriloquist, or maybe some new uh, Gotham villains that have been revealed in the new uh, uh, DC universe um, since the reboot, like the Court of Owls. Like it, there could be some cool things that come out of it. I, I'm talking my way out of this, aren't I? <laughs> maybe I'm not excited. <laughs> Can't decide how you're going on. I this. don't know. I just maybe wanted it's like to... juvenile court. Maybe he's just a like a parole officer for for teens. Yeah, well, I I mean, it's just like I don't, I don't, uh, I don't want it to be bad. And like I said, I love Batman. I love Gotham. I love everything so much about the whole world. And it's a network television show about Gotham City. Which so channels are coming to? Fox. So I'm I'm initially very excited about it, but it's like I don't know. I just want it to work. Just work, like. One like the thing I wanted are like cameos of the kids as the Batman villains, and then actual new Batman villains or Batman villains that have been overlooked in uh, in video forever um, coming in. Like the Calendar Man is like a, a great uh, serial killer uh, in this Batman universe that they could bring in and has never been covered in any Batman media ever before. The calendar um, Man, yeah, he basically like does. Uh, crimes based on different days of the year. So I'll have like a Valentine's. It's great. It's good. See, holiday man. I think there actually was a holiday man. Oh my goodness! But it kind of is like that. I but it's You're good. Like the no, come on. Like Zodiac man is like the Zodiac killer. Like had like his stick. Like this could be and by stick. I mean he killed <laughs> yeah, a lot he of people. He was people actual serial killer. Oh god. It. I'm gonna I'm gonna just stop talking now. We couldn't catch him, so we made Dirty Harry to feel better. I'm just done speaking. All right. Well, well let's jump to our here. You can speak about this Power Rangers movie. So, were you a Power Rangers kid? Yes. I. That's a something I don't want to admit to. I went to the only elementary school in the country, apparently, where liking the Power Rangers was bullshit. Like, what? Yeah, nobody at my elementary school liked the Power Rangers. Like, liking the Power Rangers was was like the worst thing that you could be. There was one kid in the school who liked the Power Rangers, and uh, it wasn't very good for that guy. What about the Pokemon show? Pokemon's fine, dude. I you guys, love did Pokemon. you guys go for that? No, Pokemon's great. Okay. Pokemon's I was great. just curious. They were, I remember them being about the same time. Like, that was the time period where I started to become aware of, like, I am watching a child's show, and I don't want to. Mm. Um, but yeah, new Power Rangers movie by 
you gotta be like Lionsgate, um, who has handled the Hunger's game, Hunger Games pretty pretty darn well. Yeah, ever since Lionsgate uh, moved out of Vancouver, they've been knocking out the park. I, I whatever. I I also like they're coming out with this TMNT movie. Teams Mutant. Oh, Turtles. that is on my list here. But like, this all I thing, put as like, a note was Ninja Turtles, creepy. Well, just everything that we loved as children doesn't need to become a dark, gritty movie now. And like the, like I would love it if they just made Power Rangers a fucking fun jaunt. Because the one thing that I did like, so it was not cool to like the Power Rangers TV show when I was a kid, but the Power Rangers movie, I loved that. That was a great movie when I was a kid. Because it was a really fun jaunt. It was a self-contained story, and it actually had, like, real effects. Do you remember the story? No. Okay. Because <laughs> I, I, saw, I saw MTV had listed, like, a potential cast, and they were oh, showing no. characters from that show that I f- did not remember. Oh, I remember the character, because it was so... Because, like, the original Power Rangers, you, you, like, the reason why that whole thing came about is it was a Japanese show. I don't remember what it was called. But they basically just took all of the fight scenes from that show... And then intercut them with American people doing the non-fight scenes. <laughs> That's what Power Rangers was. So well, all of it's all the, about getting into your robot and kicking some ass. Yeah. So all of the getting into your robot and your costume and kicking ass that was all just directly uh, stolen from a Japanese show. And <laughs> then everything that wasn't that of them like being in high school and hanging out at a clubhouse. Or, I don't know. I didn't watch the fucking <laughs> thing. Um, but everything that wasn't that was. A bunch of American kids on a soundstage recording that stuff, and then they would intercut it with like the Japanese show. That's that's Power Rangers. That's a way to do a TV show and not have to pay for the fight scenes. Absolutely, it's a very cheap way to make a TV show. I wish more people would do it. <laughs> um, but <laughs> just take make a show and intersplice it with uh, was it T- Takeshi's Castle? Yeah, Whatever. well they did that, but they called it Wipeout, and now it's prime time on ABC during the summer. So. Congratulations to everybody. <laughs> Everybody's making money. Yes, the right, so Castle. And they also also did that, and they overdubbed it and called it Most Extreme Elimination Challenge. They did it like four times with Takeshi's Castle. I think that they could do it one time with Power Rangers. That's, That's what really they should getting do. some mileage out of that show, though. If you can do it four different times. Yeah. I now love we have it. Ninja Warrior. <laughs> That's a different Japanese show, dude. I know, but now we have one where it's in, in the States. Yeah, it's called American Ninja Warrior. <laughs> they went really hardcore with the name. <laughs> what else All we right. got? Um, other things on the entertainment news. Uh, Spider-Man sucks. Who says? The world. Have you seen it? <laughs> no. I wanted it to took go me see- like three really months like- to watch Captain America, dude. <laughs> I, I am by myself. Maybe I should just go watch a movie tomorrow. Yeah, don't go see Spider-Man, though. I kind of want to see it. Go dude. see Neighbors, no. if anything. Like, I'm looking at Rotten Tomatoes. Whoa. Oh, are you anti-Rotten Tomatoes? Absolutely I'm anti-Rotten Tomatoes. Whoa. Why is that? Because there are plenty of movies. Like, Rotten Tomatoes is an algorithm. Like, come on, dude. I don't want my movie reviewed by an algorithm. I want my movie reviewed by one of my friends that saw the movie and then gives me their opinion on it. That's what I want. I'm, I'm kind of sick and tired of all this stuff of people watching movies. And this is just, it, 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 this goes with, I feel terrible talking about this because it seems like, like I can't talk about it without joining it the, <laughs> because the fucking haterade is really getting to me. So it's like, we all have to watch a movie 
then we have to slyly look out of the corner of our eyes as to uh, who liked and didn't like this movie from popular media culture. Do the personal arrogance guys like it? Do the do the dudes from Harmontown like it? Do, does the Nerdist like it? And then we, for some reason, uh, create this kind of hive mind around a movie of whether it's the greatest thing that's ever been produced or the worst thing that's ever been produced. And then that's what happens. It's like, I'm sure that Spider-Man is probably has a lot of plot holes and is a shit ton of stuff thrown together in a movie and maybe not be the, maybe not be the best execution. But it's probably not the worst thing that's ever happened in the history of cinema. But I bet you there are a bunch of people out there who are ready to pull out their guns and start shooting it as it is such. And so this haterade mentality of, uh, am I going on a rant? I'm going on a rant. No, it's, it's fitting. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'd much rather go to the movie. But it was. And decide. But I'm not going to. That's if it's. I've got to give it to Rotten Tomatoes. The general score helps me to determine because I don't go to two movies a weekend anymore with my parents. Like, I really got to kind of pick and choose. Yeah. Um. So it's a fast way to determine whether I'm going to rent it because I will end up renting this movie because I like the first Spider-Man. And I'm willing to give this one a chance, but I'm not going to go and give it $15 worth of a chance. Fifteen dollars? You know? What are you doing, man? Watch a fucking matinee. <laughs> I go to the matinee down at the Majestic Bay Theater, the and it's and you eight bucks. Go at like ten a.m. Eight bucks for the two thirty showing, brother. Ugh, on the weekend. No. See, I have to go at ten a.m. and then it's ten dollars instead of. It's probably not. 15, I'm just saying, like and like thirteen something. Spider Man is the type of movie that I don't want to rent because I don't want to watch that movie on my television. I want to watch Spider Man swinging through the streets of Manhattan on a giant fucking ninety foot screen. That is like the only way to watch that movie is to get something fun out of it. Like I, I also hate that people when they when they watch a movie and they decide to nitpick it to bits and then hate on it a ton, and then they're like, you know, and then it like robbed me of three hours of my life, and I'm just fucking hating myself for it. And it's like, yeah, and then you spent pr- d- twice the cost that it would have cost you to to rent the movie. I don't know. I'm going on a rant. This is this where is are you renting into, your movies? This has turned into a full-on rant. I apologize. Wow. This is a side though that I did not know. I did not. No, know this your, is. This I is, enjoyed the the idea of getting the personal recommendation, but few yeah. people see more movies than me. Well, I'm. Eh. I don't have that resource to turn to, so that's why yeah. I turn to the personal arrogance, uh, by which I mean you. I know, and um, I'll give you. A, I'll give you an honest uh, opinion. Like I didn't think that. I, I really enjoyed Captain America. It kept my attention for two and a half hours, which is not an easy thing to do in this day and age. Was it the greatest Marvel movie ever made? Probably not. Was it the greatest movie ever made? Nah, but it was worth the money. Um, But the whole idea of just fucking waiting for everybody to decide as a hive mind whether a movie is good or not, and then decide, okay, now it's time to just shit on this thing forever. <laughs> as the worst thing ever that's ever occurred to humanity. It's like, come on guys. It is entertainment. It filled the need. You sat through the whole thing. It wasn't so bad that you walked out of the theater. Um, and it, and then at some point, even if you hate a movie, you're at least turning it to the mode where you're like, Oh, well now I could just nitpick it and then, and then love to hate it. So at some point, it's filling some kind of need inside you. I'm just, I don't, I don't know. I, I listened to, I listen wanna... to this rant today on gravity, and it's like, dude, if if that's the approach you're going into a movie with like a freaking uh, 
with a clipboard and a pencil on the page waiting to rip apart every tiny minute detail that is associated with the film and not understanding that it's actually a piece of fiction and not understanding that maybe it doesn't adhere to the laws of nature because it's actually just a whole thing that was created in some dude's head. Um, and maybe we should just sit back and try to understand the characters and be enthralled in the story and escape into a special effects CGI world for a couple of hours. Then maybe you shouldn't be watching these movies. Maybe you should just watch documentaries because those are usually a hundred percent adherent to, uh, to real life. <laughs> uh, this is well, my third time. I gotta stop. This is a rant. <laughs> I apologize. This is the problem is now I'm just ranting about this stuff. I don't. <sighs> the whole wow. yeah. The I whole, did not know I could dig that up. You dug it up, man. You you put a shovel in my chest. And it. It I was up. wondering where we were gonna go with that because all I have is just <laughs> Spider Man socks listed on my entertainment news. I was curious on your uh, take. Hey, you know what? I got Anthony two nights- Lane should stop going to movies because his review yeah. thing on Rotten Tomatoes, despite the efforts of Electro, the franchise the franchise is running shockingly low on juice. That's yeah. a top critic. That's a dude who decided that he wants to be a movie critic and he's just going to do 100% quotables for the rest of his life. <laughs> That's a sad guy, man. That guy he eats Honey like Nut Cheerios. Too. He, he eats Honey Nut Cheerios every day We should start a website, Rotten, Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> no, see, this is the problem. Now we just, aggregate mm. all of the stupid shit people say. All the t- No, <laughs> see, that's the problem, dude. Now we're just hate, now we're just hate reading Rotten Tomatoes. I want to get away from hate reading stuff. It's an infinite hate cycle, though. Hate reading, hate watching. Let's get away from it, people. Let's just rise above. Yeah, I didn't really like it. You know, but, you know, it, it kept my attention for a couple hours, so why not? You know, it's an escape. It's 2.30 on a Friday. I got no nothing better to do. Two, why, why am I watching a movie at 2.30 on a Friday? I should be at work. <laughs> I'm just saying, I got two nights now, because Saturday night, I believe, is, maybe I got three nights. Um... And uh, I'm going to be by myself. I'm going to go watch Spider-Man. Because I want to see some CGI on the big screen. And I want to see Paul Giamatti as a rhino. And if, if, those, <laughs> if those two things occur, I will, I will call my, my $10 good. I'm not going to think of it as a personal crime against my soul that, that the movie didn't fulfill my every wish and dream. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I, this is, I'm, I'm sorry, this devolved. No, that's right. Last bit of entertainment news. Uh, this one's actually a couple weeks old. Amazon getting the HBO. HBO TV shows. Yeah, but it's none of the new ones. Who cares, man? I can go back and watch Deadwood, which I have really wanted to do for a long time. I'm excited about it too, because when you say $5 for a movie, like that's what I pay because I rent all my movies through Amazon. Yeah. My Roku. It's very convenient, and therefore it is worth the $5 to me, because driving to a Redbox and paying for it and then driving home will probably cost you about $5. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You drive either a very fuel-inefficient car or very far to rent your movies. Are you doing 30 I drive in a city full of stoplights and traffic, sir. <laughs> uh, but I also rent uh, Fargo and Mad Men through Amazon, so I don't have to pay for a cable subscription, but I can still watch the shows that I love. Uh, the day after they come out for a dollar fifty a piece. How is Fargo, by the way? I haven't been following it. Should I pick it up? Funny you should ask, because if you are listening to the Bald Move Fargo podcast, you might hear a certain dude, aka me, chiming in every week now. Oh, really? You're doing the cast? Well, I'm doing a segment on the cast. They they were nice enough to allow me to record something and something and send it in every week. So, oh, I'm doing that. 
Unless people are like, we don't want that anymore, and then I'll stop doing it. Yeah, uh, but people don't want to hear the uh, song they've been playing for Game of Thrones, and they right. keep playing that song. <laughs> no, I'm excited about it. Uh, so I've been watching it, and I've been analyzing it. And if you want to hear what I really think about, especially this week's episode, you can t- tune in to the Fargo cast, uh, which comes out every Thursday on the Bald Move Network. You got any other entertainment news? That's it. I'm all out. Well, Ben Affleck was counting cards in Vegas. Yeah. Well, he's uh, he wasn't in Rounders, was he? Or was he? I don't know. Matt Damon was in Rounders. Anyway. He was probably around Rounders. (laughs) He was also in the World Series of Poker. I love it. Uh, So anyway, we got BaldMove.com, guys. So much stuff going on in BaldMove. Of course, we talked about it already. But Fargo is up on there. They're also doing an instant cast on 24. And they have their epic, epic podcast on Game of Thrones and Mad Men. Those are both occurring right now as well. Um, of course, there's the ladies down in Los Angeles from the Because Show. They're posting every week. And up yours downstairs covering everything. Edwardian this week, they are covering Mr. Selfridge, Season 2, Episode 6. So, guys, so much TV stuff, so much pop culture stuff, so much human love. That's what we want from a podcast, right? A couple of love going into your ear hole from my mouth hole. And that's what's <laughs> happening right now. Love podcasts, baldmove.com. Also, you can get in touch with us if you want to. You can give us a call, leave us a voicemail, 360-362-0024. You can leave us an email at personalarrogance at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Personal Podcast. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook. We are at the Bald Move Facebook page, and we are at the Personal Arrogance Facebook page. Um, and uh, if you haven't done so already, please rate and review us on iTunes. It helps us out so much when you do that. It helps us move up, move us up the rankings, and it also helps new listeners find us because we've been moved up the rankings and we're more visible. It's really good stuff. Uh, do all that stuff to get in touch with us. Speaking of Facebook, uh, every week on the Personal Arrogance Facebook page, if you like us there, you will see it. It is the Facebook Roundup. We post that we are recording we want to know what you want us to talk about, and then guess what, guys? We 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 talk about it. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> I know Just I gotta get a soundbite for that, right? Yeah, I feel like you could come up with like a good Western one. Yeah, but the movie one's kind of like that. I mean, yeah, I probably knew it. Just Facebook oh, Roundup. You're, you're yeah, right. yeah. It does have a. What right. if you did like a Sergio Leone, like just a. I like it. A little bit slower. All right. So this week on the Facebook Roundup, we're going to start with our Bud Gutty, with our Bud Gutty, with our good buddy, (laughs) Rob Zip uh, from the Rob Zip and Friends podcast. He says, will your Levi and my friend Levi Reekend ever have a Levi off? Oh, I kind of smell a Levi bracket. Maybe when Jesse gets back. Yeah. James Patterson, dude, if you're listening, buddy, (laughs) we need a Levi bracket. And this one's going to be tough. Because there aren't a lot of Levi's. That's um, not true. Okay. Me, um, Levi Reekin, uh-huh. Levi Strauss, Levi who had a kid with Sarah Palin's daughter. All right, so we're already done. Like we've already, <laughs> we're already scraping the bottom of the barrel here. But if, but if James Patterson could put together a Levi bracket, it would be much appreciated. Mitch says thoughts on the new working title for Star Wars: The Ancient Fear. I'm hoping for Jedi versus Cthulhu. Oh. I don't think that this is going to be the title. Apparently, they're going to reveal the title at Comic-Con this year. Once again, convention season approaching. Um, <laughs> if it were the Ancient Fear, I would be very surprised. Because even if this were the title, I feel like they would change it for Comic-Con. They're not going to let it leak this way. 
Um, this is Star Wars we're talking about, guys. Uh, Jeffrey says, Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire Gen 3 remakes announced today in case anyone's interested. Um, I know that Jesse's interested because he's been playing a shit ton of Pokemon on his 2D, 2DS. Uh, Ron says, have you guys ever uh, eaten at the Maximus Minimus food truck there in Seattle? They're on a bunch of Food Channel shows. Or general thoughts on the emergence of gourmet food trucks. I'm digging them. I like food trucks. What they're they're food trucks in Boulder, right? Um, not as many in Boulder, but there mm. are a ton in Denver, and I worked there for a year, so I had plenty of food truck food. Food trucks are good. Yeah, I don't think there's anything bad you could say about food trucks. Uh, roll well, probably some health standards are a little lower. <laughs> roll Tomasi says, "Who's going to win the upcoming election in Ontario?" and <laughs> Where in the world is Rob Ford, a.k.a. Carmen City? I have no idea how we would ever know who's going to win the upcoming election in Ontario. I think Rob Ford is in rehab. I'm voting for the Blue Jay. Um, <laughs> Jonathan Droz said, where's JR from Philly been? Which is interesting because then JR from Philly responded <laughs> with, I have mixed feelings about the results of the breakfast bracket. Cold Pizza is an imposter. Cold Pizza is an imposter and a champion. So there you go, JR. He also says, no, in all seriousness, I have been busy doing things like running through the tough mutter with Jonathan Droz, but I am still accumulating beer articles to call in about, I'm up to about six tabs. Uh, I've been keeping open on my iPhone for over a month, and Philly Beer Week is coming up in less than a month now. So apparently next show is just going to be nothing but Jair talking about beer. That's so, not a bad idea. That probably would have been a better idea this week. Well I, well, I think that you know we are at the end of the podcast, so I think we can reflect on this and understand that it, that is the correct answer, Levi. At least we're <laughs> able to recognize it. <laughs> Maybe we just show this one, have him call in. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> Levi, the one thing I love about you is that we can make fun of you forever and you take it so well. And it's I love the only thing it. I got going for me. It's one of the things I love about you, man. <laughs> uh speaking of making fun of you, what are your recommendations this week? Oh, um, I wrote these down. Uh oh, you can live stream the earth. Have you seen this? Mm-mm. So I think it was NASA. Somebody put a high definition camera on the um, on the space station, and it is streaming. And the first time I saw the link, I went, eh, and I didn't click on it. And then this morning, I got to work, and I was looking for anything to do other than work. And I put it on, and it is mesmerizing because the world is just like you're watching it go around like at a decent clip. Um, uh-huh. and it's, it's fascinating. It makes me feel so, so insignificant. I wish that there was some way to set that as your background. Yeah. Oh, no, it'd be too distracting. <laughs> cool, man. My first record this week is going to be something I call pizza quesadillas, AKA what happens when bachelor time happens in the Waffle <laughs> house. Um, so this is something that I created. It is cheddar cheese. With salami on on tortillas in a quesadilla-style sandwich. And it's delicious. And I also want to give you a, a scenario here where I was trying to make quesadillas for the longest time. I kept on burning the tortillas because I would have the stuff too hot, too cold. It's too tough because I'm trying to make it in a pan. I'd burn the tortillas and I wouldn't melt the cheese. It was like an awful, awful cycle that I was in. Then I realized in my brain that... We don't need 
to melt the cheese on the stove. So what I do now is I just make a quesadilla. I put it in the microwave for like 45 seconds. It melts the cheese. And then I put it in the pan. And then all I'm doing is toasting the tortilla. Uh, and then I have a perfectly uh, browned tortilla. It is incredible, delicious. And you put some salami in it. It's a piece of quesadilla. And I love it. Look for the pizza, the pizza quesadilla food truck very soon in Boulder, Colorado. <laughs> Levo, what's your second reco? God, I'm just I turned on this this stream and now I'm so distracted. It's beautiful <laughs> watching this thing roll by. Um my second recommendation is vinegar. Um <laughs> if you ever need to clean something, just put some vinegar on it. Just put some vinegar on it. Why do you uh, think of that? <laughs> so we finally uh we moved out of our apartment, moved into the house, and we found somebody to rent the apartment um and get us out of our lease early. And so we had to go in over the weekend and clean. Um, and the bat, the bathtub would not, I mean, it was really gross. And I looked up online and got the sweet trick that if you just soak paper towels with vinegar and just lay them out and leave it for like a half hour, things just come off. And then we just clean the whole apartment with vinegar. It's like an old school method of cleaning. Um, it's fantastic. And it works way better than most of the chemicals we bought. Nothing like cooking with acid. <laughs> or cleaning with acid. Um, well, you know, to go along with that, we actually use vinegar to clean everything. Um, Lydia makes a nice uh, vinegar and water solution. I don't know what the uh, what the ratio is, but if there was only way to figure, like only if there was like some kind of database that you could access at any <laughs> time to, to get that information. But you just put it in a spray bottle. We actually use it to clean the kitchen. It's, un- it's wonderful. That's Cutting it with water would have probably been smart because yeah. there were a couple times where it would get... And cuts in my hands, and it hurt like a yeah, bitch. That's the only water. downside of it. Dilute it. Um, and, I need that full strength. And the Personal Arrogance Podcast is now turned into a cleaning podcast, which means only one thing. It has to end. Levi, thank you so much for uh, being on the show again this week. We really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Um, thanks for having I'm really distracted by watching this. Oh, my planet. God. All right, this has to end right now. Please, guys, remember, get keep in touch, and remember that wherever you go, Whatever you do, please stay arrogant.